Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. I feel bad because I lied to you. I said I wasn't preaching again until September, and then one day the calendar told me I was preaching in July. Still, one last one. We have been uh, traveling a lot, our family has. We spent some time up uh, in Atlin, B.C., which is really, it's the Yukon, uh, but it's the B.C. version of the Yukon. We dropped Jake and off in some of the most gorgeous, God-blessed country, surely, that exists anywhere on the planet. And um, pretty heartsick as we drove away and been a little heartsick walking by uh, an empty bedroom in our house. I have to say it's not, uh, it's not the most fun time of life for parents. And um, although I don't know if that was true for my parents, I feel like when I left, I never heard anything from them. Mind you, I did leave the country and the continent and I guess it was a little harder to get in touch back then. And so today I'm just going to share with you... Um, I'm going to share with you, let's see here, one, two, three, four, five, five thoughts, five points, five-point message on a short Sunday. Um, Because a lot of times in life when we experience strain or frustration or difficulty, everything in our world kind of boils away and what we're left with is what we're left with. And I think if you're being honest with yourself the way I find myself being honest with myself... Um, quite often we're not always happy with the residue that's left over, are we? When things boil away. And so the title of the message today is just simply, Give Me Jesus. Uh, Because at the end of it all, I just want you to know that as a child of God, if your whole life evaporates in the process of living it, and all that's left of you at the end is just some Jesus, I want you to know you're going to stand before him. And you're going to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Because at the end of it all, this is who we are to become. It's who, it's who he's called. It's who he died for. Was so we could be like him, to know him in his suffering, but also to know him and to live in the power of his resurrection. <clears throat> and, um, and so just uh, let me pray, because I think it's important that we allow the Holy Spirit to be not just the filter, but the pump that uh, brings the word of God to us. So if you'll just agree, let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much for your word, uh, for the ministry that it has in our lives, for its power, that it does not leave your mouth and ever return to you without accomplishing everything you intended it to. And Lord, this morning, by your Holy Spirit, would you open our ears just to hear that, that special thing that you have for each one of us this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Acts 9. Um, I say, I say, I guess I should say this much. I say, give me Jesus, and the question that to me is logical is, well, why Jesus? Like, if that's all you're going to have in this whole world at the end of it all, Travis, why, why Jesus? Well, I want to share these uh, five thoughts on why. I think it's five. Maybe I miscounted. But Acts 9, verse 1 to 9, this is what it says. Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. And he asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, that was the early church, they were known as the way. Um, They didn't get called the church. They didn't get called Christians back then. They were called the followers of the way. Uh, Both men and women, that he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Other translations say that he might bring them bound in chains to Jerusalem. And as he was traveling, it would happen that as he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? 
And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and it will be told you what you must do. The men who traveled with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. How's that for a freaky afternoon walk? All right? Hearing the voice but seeing no one, Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. And then leading him by the hand, they brought him into Damascus, and he was three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. Why Jesus? Well, maybe the most important and the simplest first understanding I want you to have is because he found me. Why Jesus? Because he had the gall, he had the heart, he had the desire to find me. Just the way he found Saul. Now, I'm glad that I wasn't killing Christians uh, in the early church before he found me. I'm certainly glad that I wasn't doing a lot of things before Jesus found me. But I want to be clear, that didn't make me any less falling short of the standard of God's glorious nature and goodness. The book of Romans teaches us really clearly that every one of us has fallen short of God's glorious standard. And we are left undone in that reality. We are incapable because of that reality at doing right or being good enough to get into the book of life. And so Jesus, because he found me, the way he found Saul on the road to Damascus, you know, it's not just that he found me one time. I got to tell you that Jesus has found me many times. And while I have not had the blinding light, I haven't been blinded by him. Man, I can sure tell you that, that I could see and hear and feel and sense his presence, sometimes riding in my truck, sometimes after a fight with my wife when I had to go outside and cool down. Sometimes Jesus just comes and finds us. And I want you to know that if you can learn to live for those moments and live for those days, you're going to walk in a different life and a different blessing than you've ever known before. Because to be found by Jesus is such a good thing. To be found by Jesus is a good thing. Why Jesus? Because he found me. Here's Philippians chapter 4. And this, um, we teach this to our kids. I was taught this verse as a kid. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But I, I want us to understand some context with that this morning. Philippians 4.12 and 13. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled. Someone say, the secret of being filled. Please understand, it, it is a secret. There is a secret. There is a, there is, what that means is there is a process of learning that must take place for you to be filled, for you to feel filled. For you to know the presence of God in a sustaining way. It's, it, doesn't, it doesn't just magically happen. There has to be the working, the cultivation of a heart. There has to be the working over of the ground of your life. So that you can know what it's like to live in prosperity and to live in humility or with humble, humble uh, means. And in every circumstance I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry. Both of having abundance and suffering need. And then Paul writes, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. You see, why Jesus? Well, it's because he's the source of my strength. He's the source of all strength. He's the, he's the source of contentedness. And I think there's a lot of people in the world today who would like to, uh, they, they would like to believe that they are believing. But they don't allow themselves to, to get to the place of having nothing left. But it's in the place where there's nothing left that you learn what it is to be content. The secret, as it says here in Philippians 
The secret to being filled, even when you're hungry or even when you're out of money or even when things aren't going right or even when your job ends or even when there's so much going on in your life that you don't feel you can possibly make room for everything else, just give me Jesus still. Still, just just give me Jesus because he is the source of my strength and yours. Romans 6, 1-7, what shall we say then? Are we to continue to sin so that grace may increase? Well, the Bible says, in my, the way I translate that is, of course not, idiot. It says, it says, may it never be. You know, the Apostle Paul seemed to write a little more kindly than I would have written it. So it's probably a good thing that I wasn't called to that. Should we continue to sin so that grace may increase? Of course not, dummies. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? See, it's not the, people get worried, religious people, religious thinking people, always get worried that if you preach grace, sin abounds. That's actually not the preaching of grace. Not at all. If you hear a message that is on grace and you leave that message thinking, man, I get to go out and sin some more right now, you didn't hear a message on grace. I'm not too sure what kind of a message you heard. You probably should not go to that church anymore or you should stop listening to that online content because that's not what grace is for. That's not what the gospel is about. And I've never understood why people get so worried when we preach grace. Because where sin abounds, the Bible says, grace still abounds more. Now, understanding that the reason this had to be written was because there are people in the world who think, well, God's grace will cover it, therefore I'm going to do it. I even had a conversation with someone recently. Basically, they were saying, you know, like, if you're going to sin, just don't sin halfway. Like, you might as well sin all the way. And I'm, like, processing that a little bit. So you're saying it would be better to actually have an affair than to just think about having an affair. Because one is lust. The other is lust with adultery. And I want you to know that's not, that's not right. You don't, want to have to, you don't want to have to endure the strength of grace in your life for sins that you really didn't need to commit, for things that you really could have avoided in wrongdoing because you're wise, because you hold yourself accountable with other people in relationship and community. Um, man, grace is, grace is far more a weapon than it is a crutch. Let me say that again for you because some of you maybe need to hear that. Grace is far more a weapon than it is a crutch. And if you hear the word grace and you start thinking crutch, I I just got to tell you, you need Jesus. Not that you're unsaved, but you just need more Jesus in your life so that you can understand the way I and many other people understand that (laughs) where sin abounds, sin abounds, but grace abounds even more. And it's available and it's waiting. Why? Well, because of the work of Jesus, it set me free from sin. How can I, Paul writes, how can I live in sin if I'm dead to sin? If I've died to sin, how can I be alive in sin? Something amazing happens in the life of a person who chooses to follow Jesus. Sin starts to feel like death where it used to feel like life. Anybody ever notice this? It's okay if you don't want to raise your hand. Before Jesus, lots of us, sin felt great. It's like, it's kind of life-giving. It's a rush. It's this, it's that. But An amazing thing happens after we encounter Jesus and his cross and his resurrection power in our lives. All of a sudden, sin starts to smell and taste and feel like death. 
And it's funny because a lot of times we think that we should feel more free from, more free from sin as we mature in Christ, but the opposite actually happens. My awareness of sin goes up and up and up and up and up, and the standard to which I want to hold myself in God's goodness and grace for me, for what he's invested in me, it goes up and up and up, and it's honestly a very uncomfortable position. Sometimes I think it would be easier just to maybe have not come so far. But then what would I have in terms of Jesus? What would I have? Would I have Jesus? See, he goes on to say in Romans 6, verse 4, Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Give me Jesus because his work frees me from sin. Give me Jesus because it puts the carnal man to death. Give me Jesus so I can walk in the newness of life. Have you died? Have you died to sin? Have you died to sin? There's a lot of people in our world today who are attending churches, and they're not dying to sin. And it's starting to show. It's starting to leak out. Guys, I just want to tell you, Jesus worked. I, don't, I can't say he worked really hard. I don't, I don't quite understand the effort required for Jesus to do what he did. I can't quantify his effort, but I can quantify what he earned in his obedience. And in his obedience, his work did free us from sin, from its power, from its penalty. And all we contend with in this day and age right now, uh, understand this, we do contend with its presence. There's sin all around us all the time. But we are free from the power and we are free from the penalty. So, so give me Jesus and live like it, walk like it, love like it. Philippians 3, 7. Just going to rattle this, these off to you, I guess. This is the last one. Philippians 3, 7 to 11. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost. I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Now, it's unfair for me to rattle these, I guess it was four, not five, to rattle these four shotgun shells of Bible at you this morning and just expect you to take it and be changed and walk away. But if you're going to study one of these, if not all of them, if just one of them, please, please read 2 Corinthians 2, 7 through 15. Read it again and again and again and again until it saturates your brain, until it saturates your heart and your soul. 
We get so, we get busy with work, with marriage, with kids, with being single, some of you. Because it's, it's busy being single, isn't it, some of you? It's hard. You got such a big social life, you know? You got, you got jobs and you got people and you have to sleep a lot. I know. We get, we get focused on the struggle sometimes. We get focused on, we get focused on the things that are not him, and we forget that Jesus is the one that actually is the, he's the one who's changing us. He's the one who's changed us. He's the one who left us his Holy Spirit to be the agent of change for our future. We need to remember that he's with us in the dark hours, the, the worst ones you're ever going to face. Jesus is with you in those hours. He, his presence is with you. He will never abandon. He will never leave or forsake. And his purpose in his presence in your life is not to remove darkness from you, I think sometimes our, our bedtime prayers are very childlike and we, we lack understanding. Oh, I prayed and I asked God not to let the bad thing happen. I, I, I don't want to blow up your whole world, but what if, what if God is fully supportive of some bad things happening to us? What if? I'm not casting, I'm not casting the Almighty in a negative light to say that. I'm casting him in the truth in the light of who he is, the Almighty. Because who can say anything against that if he is the Almighty? But I think sometimes we forget that Jesus did not come to remove darkness from us, but rather to ignite us, to light us up, to be a city on a hill that can't be hidden, to be a light that's not hidden under a bushel but held up. I, I, always, I, I always appreciate science, especially where, for a simple mind like mine, it very easily intersects with the Word of God. What is darkness? Darkness is, scientifically speaking, it's simply the absence of light. That's all it is. Cold is the absence of heat. You take away all the heat, you have cold. If you take away all the light, you have darkness. Uh, these, are, these are unchangeable realities in the universe. And I love that about it because it applies so clearly to our lives. See, if I could bottle Jesus, like if we could formulate what I'm trying to give you today, and I could put it in a bottle, it would be the one sold out at every, every dive bar. That would be what people drank. Because it really does, he really does meet every need. If we could package Jesus into some kind of a bag of chips, Doritos would go out of business because, because Jesus, Jesus satiates us in a way that nothing else can. He, he fulfills the, the longing places of hearts in a way that no one else ever has been able to. Little Debbie's, Swiss Rolls, Cinnabon, Starbucks, they'd all go out of business. We could just package Jesus. But I love this about Jesus too. Jesus did not want to be corporately packaged, did he? Jesus did not want to be packaged and trademarked. But Jesus did choose a package. Some of you might guess already. 2 Corinthians 4, 7, 15. Here's what it starts by saying in verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. 
so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always caring about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh, so death works in us, but life in you. But having the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke, we also believe. Therefore we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are your sake, are for your sake, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. Give me Jesus. Because I'm supposed to be the packaging for Jesus. You are. You're supposed to be the packaging for Jesus. I don't know if you are willing to think about yourself that way, but you really ought to think about yourself that way. I mean, I could give you other scripture that would prove this point. Your body is not your own. It's bought the price. It belongs to him. You're also a temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. I mean, we could, we could go on and we could talk about the theological ramifications and implications of the ownership God has over everything in this earth. But could you just understand this morning? Give me Jesus because I was made to house him. Heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? Where is the place that I will rest? Has not my hand created all these things? God is saying in the Old Testament, I've done everything I've ever wanted to do. I've created it all, but I want to look to a mortal man, to a mortal woman, to be my house, to be my resting place. God's whole plan from the beginning wasn't to dwell in tabernacles. It wasn't to dwell in temples made of stone and marble and gold. It was to dwell in tents of flesh. To have this great treasure in earthen vessels. That's why I say give me Jesus. Not because it's a good song that someone could sing. Not not because it, it sounds the right amount of churchy or the right amount of pastoral or the right amount of whatever you want. We were made. We were made to hold his presence in our being. To say that there's a God-shaped hole in all of us doesn't even come close to doing it justice. There's not a God-shaped hole in me. The entire reality of my being, my presence, my spirit is designed, it is tailor-made to host the presence of God. This is not a message that will make you automatically holy overnight. It's not a message that will somehow make you better than your peers. It's not a message that will somehow transform your entire world in this moment. But, if you will let it saturate you, and if you'll just process the reality of what God made you to be, if you open yourself up to what He made you to be, maybe what you'll find is that Jesus begins to satiate some of the longings of your heart 
some of the brokenness, some of the pain, some of the secrets that you still hide, some of the ones that you hold on to for fear. As you just say, okay, give me Jesus for that. Give me Jesus for that. Die to it. Let it go. I wonder what you'll see happen in your life. See, you got to give me Jesus because ultimately his death is my victory in every circumstance. Everything he ever did while he walked this earth was for my benefit. Every act of love he ever committed was an act of love that was directed directly at me. You say, well, Trav, that sounds a little bit far-fetched. Well, you just don't know him the way I do. Everything he does for me, he does for you. And everything he does for my wife, he does for you. And if we could just learn in this day with all of the things going on around us, to be satisfied with that, to be satisfied with his presence dwelling in us, man, I think the world could look like a different place. Your neighbors will find Jesus because of that. Your coworkers will find him because of that. You're made for this. You're made to carry his presence. That's all I got for you today. Like always, we're going to offer to pray for you. If you'd like prayer this morning, maybe you'd like to get outside into the heat and get a wicked sunburn right away. It's all good. We appreciate that you joined us on a long weekend like this. Because it's always good to be in the presence of God together. So I, Chris, maybe today we'll just, uh, I always say spin a disc, even though that's not how we do it anymore. I can't help it. Maybe, doesn't the hard drive spin still, so it's still true? No? All right. Well, if you want prayer this morning, I'm going to pray for you. We're going to play a song. And we have some folks here, as always, who would love to pray with you. You don't have to leave this place the same way that you came. If you walked in here today and you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, then you don't have what we're talking about, and you need it. You need it. Jesus is the one who said, there's no other way to get to the Father. There's no other way to heaven except through him. And I, I, I remember forever, there are seven, right now there's like seven and a half, seven point eight billion ways to Jesus. But man, there is only one way to the Father. There is only one way to heaven, and that is to come through Jesus. And uh, his words, not ours. So if that's you this morning, maybe you want to Maybe you want to come and talk with one of us about that. Change your life for the better. Let's stand together. I'd love for you to ask the question we always try to ask. That is, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do with what I've heard today? And as we pray and as we close out the service, I encourage you to listen to what he has to say with regard to that question. And then respond to what he says to you. So, Father, I thank you for each person that has come today and gathered in this place. And, Lord, I thank you for your presence and how each one of us are so distinctly made to carry your presence in us. Lord, I ask by your Holy Spirit that it would not be lost on us today, the truth, the glory, and the weight of that reality in our lives. That we would be both humbled but also greatly enriched and empowered by the truth that's in that statement. Father, if there's someone here this morning that needs to approach you in humility 
and, gra- and your grace this morning to receive salvation. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would give them the boldness to do it and to respond today. And for anyone else who might be struggling in their heart with to respond or not to respond to what you're saying, with Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd overwhelm them today with the promise of your favor and goodness in their lives as they choose to honor you. Amen. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.